Whether you're a pro athlete, an exhausted parent, or you spent all day in an office chair, CBDMD wants to give you the support you need to make it through the day. CBD Freeze and Recover are an outstanding duo of topical products with specialized formulas who provide targeted relief where it matters most. Make it even easier, try Freeze, Recover, and every other CBDMD product you can take for 25% off your next order when you use promo code MBA at checkout. Once again, it's CBD.com, promo code MBA for 25% off your purchase of superior CBDMD products. You are Locked On Pacers, your daily Indiana Pacers podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. The Pacers carried a four-game losing streak into Detroit Thursday night, including a blowout loss the night before to the Brooklyn Nets. In need of a desperate win and move back to 500, the Pacers decided to insert Doug McDermott into the lineup, moving Jeremy Land to the bench back where he started when he came back from his injury earlier this season. Pacers jumped out to an early first-quarter lead, but Detroit clawed back, tying the game at the half, and it would take a strong third-quarter performance, including a one point twenty-five to eight run that allowed the Pacers to pull away. They were led by Demonte Sabonis' twenty-six points, eight rebounds, and eight assists. Malcolm Brogdon also had eighteen points, and off the bench, Jeremy Lamb, who just inserted back to that role, had seventeen points. For Detroit, they were led by Jaron Jackson's eighteen points off the bench, and Blake Griffin's sixteen in the starting lineup. But the Pacers' dominant third quarter and a keeping with par fourth quarter allowed them to carry this game one eleven to ninety-five game that was pretty much a blowout by the mid-fourth quarter. Welcome to the Locked On Pacers podcast. My name is Adam Friedman, as I'm the host of this wonderful show. Today's podcast, I will break down the Pacers finally getting a win against the Detroit Pistons. Then I'm going to talk about Aaron Holiday and some of my thoughts on where he's at. And, you know, I don't know. It's been kind of frustrating with him, so I have a whole kind of rant on him. But first, I wanted to start with just Finally, the Pacers got a win, and this was a much-needed recovery, if you want to call that. Uh, this team had been sliding. I mean, they were obviously at one point they were twelve and eight and sitting kind of in a pretty decent spot to compete for like the four or five. Uh, and now they've won, and now they're basically a game up on the, on the Raptors who've been storming up the standings in the five seed right now. They're very much in the thick of this sort of, I mean, literally three games separate between them and like the eleven seed in the East. This was a needed win. Now, they've had they've had a tougher schedule the Pacers have, so that should make things a little bit better, right? Uh, if we're looking forward, sort of, bef- we've got, they played 26 games. I believe they have 11 left before we hit that midseason break. They play a much lighter schedule. We've got Chicago, Minnesota, Houston team that's now reeling. Uh, they play Cleveland again so that in, in San Antonio. So, not the murderer's row. You know, this past week, they arguably played, you know, three of the best five teams, and in their last eight, you know, last eight games, or they've played four of the best seven, eight teams, right? They played Philly, Milwaukee, New Orleans, Utah, Brooklyn. Those are all really good teams. Uh, they had a tough, you know, back-to-back against Toronto and then a tough back-to-back against Charlotte, and they split both those as you expect. So uh, it hasn't been a super favorable schedule so far and at least lines up a tiny bit for the Pacers. So gives them some hope they can be at maybe 20 wins come this midseason break. But, yeah, this was a game they desperately needed uh, – on a back-to-back, you would be concerned maybe, but they got so blown out last night, you thought they would respond kind of the same way Brooklyn responded in their game against Pacers for losing to Detroit on Tuesday night. Um, and Detroit isn't very good, so that helped. Obviously, Jaren, you know, somebody like Jeremy Grant, who's Detroit's best player, had a really just kind of crap night. I mean, he was off all night. I think he finished, pull up the box score again real fast, but I believe he finished the night with just nine points, which he's having 24 in the year, so that's, that's a 
That's a pretty bad night. Four of 17 from him. And it's just, it's good to see them kind of turn the corner here. Uh, we'll see if they can pull back, together back-to-back wins or so on. You know, they are missing. It feels like they're kind of a piece behind everybody else right there. They're playing their starters right. Uh, Sabonis played 38. Barton played 37. Justin Holly played 36 minutes tonight. They're just kind of one player short right now. And you can make a case. Well, they have that one player, Karis Levert, who's good to see drive the team a little bit. Uh, we saw him in Brooklyn Wednesday, and we saw him in Detroit tonight. Uh, and obviously, TJ Warren. So the guys they're missing are there. They have to return, but they're still one guy short. So, But tonight's win was really was a nice turning point, I think, and could be kind of an important turning point for this team, right? It's a bonus who's been uh, not the best this past week. I think he was I think he was shooting around 30% over the last three games. Had a really nice 9 of 14 night. And so that's where I want to start with this game, and that's Bonda Sabonis' great performance. But first, today's Locked On Pacers podcast is brought to you by betonline.ag. Football might be over, but the NBA isn't, college basketball isn't, and the NHL are all in full swing. Betonline.ag has every kind of bet across those sports. They have even future bets on MVPs and Sixth Man of the Year and First Coach Fire. You can even bet on things like awards, TV shows, and reality TV. They have real-time updated odds and props on everything you can imagine. BetOnline has you covered for all the news, scores, and odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head to the website and use your mobile device to sign up today and receive a 50% welcome bonus with your first deposit. Go to BetOnline.ag, promo code LOCKEDON, for a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. BetOnline.ag, your online sports book experts. Oh, man, did DeMontis Sabonis need this game. <laughs> so... Over the last four games, here's his, here's his shooting percentage, right? So it's 56% against the Bucks, which a game where he basically just took every shot. They were out of it from the first half, so it didn't really matter, right? I mean, he had a really good night, but they were never in that game. His 33 points are kind of uh, toothless, useless, whatever you want to call it. Then he goes 23% shooting on 3 of 13 against New Orleans as they lose by a point. Then he goes 37% shooting against Utah and 35 against Brooklyn. And Utah especially was, or not, sorry, New Orleans especially bad. He didn't play in that fourth quarter because the starters were terrible. He was a reason for that, right? He started the year, I think, with like 11 or 12 double-doubles, and he got hurt for a little bit and kind of recovered. But, he, you know, over the last four games, he still hasn't had, hasn't had a double-double yet. Now, tonight, he had 26-8-8, eight and eight, so it gets pretty close, and it's a really good night for him. But tonight, finally, on 64% shooting, 50% from three, he just finally he returned to him himself, right? You know, in the beginning of the game, like the very first, he missed two kind of easy shots around the rim, and I was kind of concerned. I'm like, oh, is he just short everything? Is he sort of getting too much contact and not figuring out how to, how to kind of push through it? Um, but tonight, you know, he, he immediately kind of turned it around. Uh, it was pretty quick. I think he had 10 first quarter points or something crazy like that. But, you know, he's he's becoming a decent three-point shooter. Like, he's making these at a pretty good rate, right? So he went 3 of 5 against Milwaukee. He went 2 of 6 against Brooklyn and 2 of 4 tonight. So he's starting to become like an actual three-point threat. I think on the season, he's at 37%. So right now you look at the splits, it's 52% from the field and 37 from three on 2.88 attempts per game, which is pretty solid for a guy who, uh, you know, makes his, his living in the post. But uh, for him to be the most effective is is this kind of drawing the defense in and either kind of taking on these smaller guys, either, you know, drawing the one-on-one matchups and kind of using his shoulder and pounding in and getting like the kind of three-foot hook, hook shot, or because he's kind of a, such a scary threat when he has the ball, it's in, inside five feet, being able to be be kind of the 
the outlet for everything else, right? So the offense goes to him and then kicks out to somebody to make a shot, right? He had a couple of really nice plays tonight where he caught the ball, let's say, eight from the from the hoop, had a one-on-one, but they were running other action. He immediately hit the pass on a guy diving to the rim, whether it was Justin Holliday, Doug McDermott a couple of times. Um, he's, he just at his best when he is sort of given the, the ability to see the floor and isn't so focused on um, just trying to, like, pound his way to the rim. The one thing I like tonight, too, that I saw from him is that he finally kicked out of the post on um, second chance points, right? So the Pacers' second chance points tonight were better than it's been all season. Um, this is one of the worst rebounding teams in the league, offensive rebounding teams in the league. Well, rebounding total, too, right? So overall, um, they are 24th in offensive rebounds and 29th in total rebounds while their opponents end up being um, – so not as bad on, on the you – know, they give up the 21st most offensive rebounds, but still being 29th in total rebounds is terrible, and they get – out rebounded almost every night it, it feels like um well tonight they finally won the offensive rebounding battle i think they managed to get really close on the overall rebounding battle so it was 41 for the patient and 43 for the pistons in offensive rebounding oh they actually did lose it but at one point they were winning it until i guess maybe late in the game but it was 10 to 15 that's way better than it's been this year frankly um Sabonis himself had four offensive rebounds tonight like it, it was just there's a lot more fight in this team and i i think for the pacers and i kind of hit this earlier, right now it's just about surviving, right? They need to beat the bad teams. They need to not lose games they shouldn't, you know, they should win, right? And they, there really hasn't been a ton of that this year, right? I mean, they've lost a game. They've been in and they could have won, right? But they haven't lost to, like, any, like, terrible teams. I mean, the Knicks is probably their worst loss this year. That came really early. Um, but they need to, you know, it, it's like tonight where you can just kind of rely on the fact that you've got a team that has good chemistry, that tries each night, and just has, a, you know, the best player, right? So Bones was the best player on the floor tonight. Uh, and that's what you kind of have to rely on, right? So his performance is really good. Um, Turner, I thought, played really well. He finally got his offensive mojo back. Turner has not been, he's been kind of a, well, his last four also have not been great. He had a pretty good night against um, New Orleans, kind of bringing the team back. But if you look at his last and part of this kind of skid the Pacers have been in, it also hasn't been great for him. He's been, I think, below, you know, I think he was averaging almost. Up into the Memphis game, I believe he was averaging, you know, somewhere close to like 16 or 17 points per game over his last 10. And then he had a three-point game against Milwaukee, 12, 11, and three against Brooklyn. 14 tonight, but more importantly, it was an efficient 14, right? Six, only took nine shots, 40% from three, throwing eight rebounds, two blocks. Um, there's a great article in 538 about him, too, if you haven't read it yet, talking about just how impactful his defense is, even though you don't quite see it on the box score. Uh, he did a really nice job tonight deterring people from the rim. Like he, you know, there was a couple of times where Dennis Smith or even someone like Jaron Jackson kind of went into Turner and Turner either sent the, swatted the ball away or it was enough of a deterrent to force the guy into some bad kind of layup or, or kind of force it out. Um, he, to me, is sort of, especially now that they don't have that third or fourth offensive threat like guaranteed every night, If um, Turner being just like adequate offensively is, is really important to this team's success. Right, you can see it in a lot of their losses. Right, you know, if he doesn't have a decent night, they they tend to lose. I mean, there there are a couple games here there where he has he had really bad night loss. Like there's the the Charlotte game they lost by three where he had a really good night, twenty points. But if you go back to some of the other losses, a lot of it they lose games because he is not having like it's not even a great night. It's just he's just having kind of a very okay night, right? Whether it's like six points against Sacramento and they lost, uh, right? We go three against Brooklyn, three against Milwaukee, stuff like that, where he just needs to be. He doesn't have to be, you know, when he when you get more than like twelve points from him, it's it's kind of gravy. But he has to be enough of a threat where if he gets the ball and shoots a three, he can make it at enough of a rate and enough times that it's like 
you have to guard it a little bit um, because especially the way they're playing McConnell right now, the Pacers, it's really easy to shrink that floor on Collins out there. Um, basically, they play McConnell because he can pick up the pace and it allows Malcolm to play off the ball, which Malcolm can be point guard, but it's also good for him to play a little off the ball and a little on kind of a combination is what what's best for him. I think we're starting to see is that he you know doesn't need to be the down like he will be the he'll have the most position as point guard, let's say, but he won't be the like the eighty percent ball handler. Maybe it's more like a sixty percent ball handler of the time when you bring the guy bring the ball up the court, right? Some will go to McConnell, some will go to Sabonis and stuff like that. Um, so when you have McConnell out there, the floor, the offensive floor is smaller. McConnell made a three and nine. And he's starting to shoot some threes, which I think is just important in general. Um, but the you know he's not he's just not like nobody respects him outside of you know twelve feet of the rim basically. Not even that. Probably more like eight, right? So if they don't respect McConnell, they don't respect Turner. The floor gets smaller and smaller and smaller, frankly. So um, Turner has to be the next tonight where he just can just be adequate offensively. And, and tonight, even you know going six of now, which is sixty six percent, obviously. Um, is more than adequate, frankly. But that's what they need out of him. And I thought that tonight, I thought the McDermott switch um, made sense, I guess. The only critique I have is I thought they would switch him for Justin Holiday, but Jeremy Lamb played so bad against Brooklyn, I kind of get what he's doing. I mean, Jeremy Lamb looked terrible. Like, defensively, he looked like he couldn't stay in front of a guy against Brooklyn or wasn't even trying. And there were a couple points in Brooklyn where they could have, like, kind of clawed their way back into a decent game, which they lost by 10, but they should have lost by 40. I mean, Brooklyn just kind of jacked around the second half. But there was a chance for, like, I think late third quarter against Brooklyn, they were down maybe 15 points, and they could have clawed their way back. And Jeremy Lamb just could not play good enough defense and couldn't make, make anything. Um, I don't know if Lamb being on the bench is better. I always thought you put Justin Holiday there, then you have him and Aaron, and then maybe boost Aaron up a little bit because Aaron's obviously been struggling. We talk about him later in the show, but it did work because Lamb was really good with the bench unit, seventeen points, only missed one shot. And McDermott, while only had nine points and was four of ten, I, I think him being with the starters just adds a little more offense, a little more oomph. You saw the team in the first quarter outscored Detroit by nine points, which is. Um, a better first quarter than they've had in a long time. I mean, they got outscored by like 20 in Brooklyn the other night. Um, they played the Jazz their first quarter. They were beat by five. I mean, they've just been beaten in first quarter to first quarter. And then the one thing you saw tonight is that third quarter push. They finally got it in a way we haven't seen in a little while. Um, really since the Vic trade, they finally had a third quarter that was like really solid tonight and kind of pushed them from being this tight game to kind of a blowout win for the Pacers. Um, and like I said, kind of going back to the beginning of the show, is is they're, they're just one or two guys short, and so um, they've got to kind of survive, and beating the bad teams is the way to survive, and you know, getting good nights from a Jeremy Lamb here or there, and having some bonus be the best player is the key, and that was tonight. Um, the other guy I guess I'd like to talk about just for a second is Malcolm Brogdon. Um, he has been very... I, I don't think the right way is average, because he's been, he's been the guy they needed him to be, but... He has not been that great over the last, you know, really since I would say the Memphis game two weeks ago, right? Even tonight, his 18 points were on 8 of 19 shooting. Uh, he looks just like exhausted in a way, right? He has become, he's not, he's the center point of like, you know, the other team's best, you know, forward defender, right? Because Sabonis has to be guarded by a center, right? They're not going to put, you know, the best forward or best wing defender on him, but Brogdon is getting that guy. And he doesn't have a lot of extra help because they're, like I said, he's missing that like third offensive really powerful dude who can just kind of put the ball in his hand and let him score. I mean, TJ Warren was such a lifeline for Malcolm Barton last year because he just took some attention that allowed Barton to get some more some easier shots here or there. And Brogdon he had a really nice third quarter where he I think he had ten of his eighteen in that quarter. Um, 
but he is playing way too many minutes and he just it sometimes feels like with him it's like a little bit of a struggle because he he knows he has to be the guy to take a shot when he doesn't really want to and he's it kind of throws his stats off right i mean let's see he's 42 percent from the field today 30 percent against brooklyn 35 against utah i mean those are pretty bad numbers <laughs> Frankly, and it, it's because he's the focal point, right? It's because he he's the guy that has to take the shot when things are failing. He has to take, you know, a step in three that he maybe doesn't want to take late in the shot clock, and he's, take, he's probably the, the highest mid range shooter on the team because of that too. And so, it's just I just kind of feel bad for him right now because I, I think he when he came to the Pacers, he really thought, oh, I'm joining kind of this Victor Oladipo who's the focal point. I'm just kind of going to be his number two, maybe his one B. Talking about it, and then Sabonis developed, and Oladipo's hurt. And, you know, they added more firepower with Warren, and all that firepower has kind of disappeared. And now they're kind of stuck with, like, basically the same, t- in my opinion, kind of the, s- the same team that was there in 20, what was it, 18, 19, when it was Bojan and all these guys. Except Bojan's a little bit better, so that, that helps ease the, ease the pain a little bit. But it's a very similar to that team where it's just, like, injury decimated um, offensively, and they're kind of just trying to survive. But, um, like I said, we saw Karras on the bench, so hopefully we might see him at some point this year. He's, he looks like he's obviously trying to get acclimated with the team, and so... That's at least some good news to see him sort of just on the broadcast. So, But overall, I thought tonight was a good win, needed a win. We'll see if they can kind of turn this into three or four wins in a row because that would be important for this team. My goal, like I think this is the last podcast I did um, on Monday with Tony, 20 wins by the break. That's that kind of the goal. That means they'll be like, I think, 20 and 17 at that point. That's the goal. And then... Hopefully, maybe get somebody back, and this team can get a little rolling towards the playoffs and remain in that four-five game. Because the goal this year is to win a playoff series. It's been the goal they have done it in since 2013-14. It's been seven years, and they made it playoffs in six of those. So they need to. Uh, I think that's right. I think it's been seven years and they made the playoffs and missed it in 14-15. Made it 16. Yeah, they, I guess they made the last five. Um, anyways, this is a yeah. This is an important year for the Pacers if they get some of their guys back because I think with a decently healthy team they're they have they should have a shot at winning a first round series uh, especially if they're not stuck in a 7-8 seed kind of position let's do this let's take one more break and then I want to talk about Aaron Holiday to end this show and uh give you my scorching mild hot take on Aaron Holiday but first today's locked on page podcast is brought to you by Built Bar Built Bar has been a sponsor of this podcast for over a year, and they make a delicious protein bar that comes in 18 amazing flavors. If you're somebody that's healthy, conscious, trying to maintain or lose weight, it's a great bar you can try. And right now, for a limited time, they have made a special bar for our listeners. So if you like the cookie dough chocolate chunk Built Bar, then you'll love the coconut brownie one. It's a dark chocolate coconut with real brownie chunks. Does it get any better than that? No, it doesn't. It's 115 calories, 15 grams of protein, 7 sugar, and it's a limited time flavor. So go to BuiltBar.com right now. You can get it today because it might be gone by tomorrow. Go to BuiltBar.com, use promo code LOCKEDON, and try out their limited edition coconut brownie chunk Built Bar. So what the hell is going on with Aaron Holiday? Uh, we touched this, touched this on the Lockdown Pitch podcast previously. But this is a promising young player who has made a just massive regression back to like below his rookie year stats. I mean, this is a guy who last year was putting up almost 10 points a game, shooting 40% from three, was playing 25 minutes, played crucial roles in big games in terms of like game winning shots against. Uh, I think Toronto and the Magic and was a really important part when he was in the starting lineup. And this year, 
He's shooting 35% from the field, 32% from three. His assists are down to two. Uh, he is barely getting the line. I mean, it, it's it's so disappointing right now. And it's disappointing the fact that I thought Aaron Holiday was like on the precipice of kind of making a little leap. And I don't know if it's he needs get DNP CDs for a little while, coach decisions, and just figure it out if it's gone forever. Um, I know he's playing in kind of a weird role. But, like, at this point, it feels like if the Patriots get one of their guys back, Harris or Jaden Watson point, Aaron Holly not going to play minutes, right? So I think as soon as somebody comes back, uh, you probably see McDermott go back to the bench, right? So then you're not playing lineup McConnell, McDermott, um, McConnell, McDermott, Sabonis as, like, the bench center or Goga slash um, Jeremy Lamb. And I guess you're still playing Aaron Holiday, but, man, I mean, I don't know. It. It seemed like they're kind of forced to play him right now, but if they had a choice, they wouldn't. He just has been so bad this year. Um, I mean, you look at it like a, a key difference between this year and last year for him is that three-point shot. I mean, it is just not falling at the same rate. Um, but part of it, too, is he's just – he's like – he's not getting to the rim and shooting very well around the rim, right? So he's so in the past, he's been up at like 60 and 57% inside three feet. Now he's below 50%. Uh, like he can't seem to beat get the dribble and finish around the rim. He does. He does get the beat still, but he's he can't finish around the rim the way he we saw in the playoffs a little bit. Um, it's just it's it's sort of like he's been relegated to this role where he just kind of sits there and waits for McConnell to set things up and he and kind of pops some threes here or there. It I don't know. I mean, maybe that three point shot will fall eventually, and that's where it changes. Right? You know, if he's shooting. You know, thirty-seven from three is is all of a sudden he's you know then probably closer to like a forty percent shooter. So then we're it's a little different, but it is not it has not been his year so far, and he is not working. I mean, I I thought this guy made a little leap where he wouldn't be a starter, but he could play in three guard lineups where you'd see like originally I think I was thinking Vic Brogdon him in the two centers, but I mean, yeah, he can't even. I mean, to be honest, at times I'm not sure he belongs to be on the court, right? I mean, I almost see Sumner more than him at some points just to see what Sumner can do because it seems like they're just rinsing repeats Aaron Holiday thing and it's just not working. I mean, he shows that like little flash, right? That really good game against Golden State and helped the Pacers win that game. He was a huge part of that. Um, you know, and then he had eleven points against Milwaukee when he played he played well in that game ish. I mean, he just played a lot of minutes because they was they were being blown out. Um I mean, his best performance this year, Philly was a really good game um, where they should have won. He would have been a big part of that win, but the Tartars blew it. And then, obviously, he played really well against Golden State, but then you're looking at games of, like, three points and zero points and five points and five points and stuff. And we're talking nights where he's shooting 20% and 35% and the nights he hasn't even made a shot. I mean, it's... This guy, he was streaky before. I mean, don't get me wrong. I mean, he had, he had stretches, but he hasn't even put together a stretch where, like, he could even, like push to have a, a more a bigger role right there were points last year right he did kind of cool off towards the end of the the pre-covid season and then he played okay in the in the bubble i mean i thought he showed some shots in the playoffs and whatnot especially when he's putting the stars and whatnot um but he hasn't had like a week or two run where he just looks really good and kind of regains the aaron holiday mojo and i don't know why it is i mean i still think a big thing is if you could get his brother to play with him more off the bench that might help but i don't know at this point i'm just i'm just concerned because i think this would be the second draft pick in a row they miss on, right? If Gogo doesn't become something that's three in a row, and that's how you set back a small time frame like this, you have to hit your first round picks. You got, I mean, you don't hit them every year. Like, that's unrealistic, but you got to get lucky in one of these 20s or 18s pick to have a guy who could be 
you know, a borderline rotation player, all star, you know, starter, not all-star maybe, but starter and level player. And to not have that is just, it's tough. And it, it, it really overshadows Pritchard, who's really done a good job outside of that, right? He's made some really good trades, signings here and there and stuff like that. But it's drafting. I mean, if, if Aaron Holloway's a bust, and then you had Tito Leaf to that, and the guys who went around him too, right? There are, there are picks around Aaron Holiday where you're like, oh, it would have been better if they got that guy. I believe Matisse Thibault went in the same season. I mean, I might be a year off. I think I'm actually, I'm thinking of the... Uh, um, the go-go year, but with Aaron Holiday's draft class, there were, you know, I think, let's see, who went right around him at 23, so um, after him went someone like Anthony Simons, who I guess we're still out on, but guys like um, Landry Shamit went 26, there were just other guys who have been okay players, right, uh, even if you don't kind of later, that draft was not a super great draft, so he wasn't, you know, he's not like, compared to what you could have gotten, it's not as bad, right, versus, like, I think they took Gogo versus Matisse Thibault has been really good, or OG, not taking OG, but taking TJ Leaf, like, those were, those are some big misses that, that kind of set the, could set the franchise kind of back in, in weird ways, because um, without the younger assets or the cheap assets, it makes it harder to fill the other holes in this team, and it's kind of a spiraling effect, so I thought, for sure, Aaron Holiday, you know, I, I never thought he was going to be, like, a superstar. But I thought, man, this guy could become a borderline starter, sixth man on this team, and could just provide a nice little punt off the bench. And this year, it just hasn't had it. Um, it, it to me, it's not going to matter for a little while. They're going to ha- they're going to need him. They're going to keep playing because they need his minutes. Once again, the summer at some point, it's going to be Aaron Holiday, and I hope he can turn it around at some point and just turn the corner a little bit because – at this rate, I mean, I, I know his option I just picked up, and you always do the rookies, but at, at this point, he's, he probably won't be. I mean, the way he's playing right now, I'm not sure they can keep him on next roster. They should probably try to attach a second pick and get rid of his contract at this point. So he need to turn it around, and hopefully he can. That's all I got for Locked On Pacers podcast. Uh, you can follow us on Twitter at Locked On Pacers. Me at Freedom Adam Five. My co-host Tony's at Teased NBA. We will bring you a weekly show on Monday. The Pacers play Saturday against the Hawks break down that game and we've got a bunch of games coming up next week so we'll preview those and discuss some of the key news of the week hopefully uh nothing major happens but maybe we'll get some exciting news versus some bad news i guess that is always like the podcast we'll see you guys again next week